Blog Talk Radio. And there arose a king in Egypt who knew not Yahweh. And the fear of the Hebrews fell upon the people of the land. So Pharaoh set taskmasters over the people of the land who laid heavy burdens on them which were bitter to bear. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Most High. And he heard them from beyond the everlasting hills. In time he raised up unto them a deliverer whose name was Mashach. And Mashach grew mighty and was taught in all the wisdom of Egypt. But he was a man who chose not to live out his days in the pleasures of Mizraim, and so answered the call of his destiny. And he came to the mountain of Alakim, which was called Horeb, where he saw a flame of fire burning around a bush, but the bush was not consumed. And the Moloch of the highest appeared to him and spoke from out of the midst of the fire, saying, I have seen the affliction of my people in Egypt and have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now therefore I will send you unto Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Masha asked, when I come to the people and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say? Scriptures declare that Elohim said, Ahaya, Ashar, Ahaya. Meaning, I am that I am. I will be who I will be. He said, Moreover to him, thou shalt you say to the children of Israel, Yahuwah, the Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob have sent me unto you. This is my name forever and my memorial unto all generations. And the children of Israel became vain in their imaginations and corrupt in all their ways so that they sought to replace the name of Yahuwah with the name of Adonai, meaning Lord. And many forgot his name and went after Baal, which also means the Lord. And from that time, many false names for our Creator have gone out into the world, following us into these last days and creating a controversy among the nations. Our Heavenly Father, who desires that his elect be not ignorant of his name, nor that we should be moved by the signs of the times, but that we should be steadfast in the truth, not wavering nor tossed and turned by the mouths of men. For some say that his name is Yahweh, while others say that it is Jehovah. Still others foolishly declare that it cannot be known. But we who are called and chosen have a sure word of revelation which has come down from the Father of light, who would not have his people to walk in darkness, for I declare that we are the children of light. For he has revealed through the Ruach. Take the original vowel sounds A and U, which are from the three pure vowel sounds which make up all the Semitic languages, and apply them to the four Hebrew letters 
Yod, Hey, Wah, Hey, and the name of Yahuwah is revealed. Therefore, let the name of Yahuwah rise upon the islands of Indonesia and echo beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. Let his magnificent name soar above the heights of the Himalayas, rest upon the shores of Sri Lanka. The voice of a messenger rides upon the clouds and races on the wings of the wind, saying, Send tidings of his name to them that dwell in Ghana. Let the name of Yahuwah shake the land of Africa. Declare his name in Zambia, Tanzania. Let it be shouted from Mozambique. Send messengers to sail across the Nile and awaken them that dwell in the Sudan. Let the name of Yahuwah invade the mountains of Afghanistan and rock the whole Middle East. Let his mighty name stretch forth with wings across Europe and Asia and cause them to tremble and sleep in China. Oh, let his name circle over the Atlantic, the Pacific, and all the oceans of the world to touch the shores of America. That his name might ring from the peaks of the Appalachian Mountains to the end of the Rio Grande. Let his name extend out over the continental divide and journey down to field Brazil. Oh, let Yahuwah's elect publish his name in every nation and kingdom on the face of the earth. Let it be published in every country, in every city, and in every state. Yea, let it mount up and ride upon the wings of the eagles. Let it glide with the falcons, the hawks, and the crows. Let it reach up beyond the heights of the condors. That his name might touch the stars and fill the cosmos. Let the Malachim come down from the Shamayim. Let them ride upon the chariots of fire. Let them circle the cities. Let them stand upon the walls. Sound an alarm to the ends of the earth. And lift up the trumpet to declare Yahuwah is mighty. Our king is strong. He has subdued the nations. He has crowned the sun. Let everything that has breath sing praises to his name. Let everything with breath praise the name of Yahuwah. Finally, when the end comes, when all things have been put under his feet, and all the nations have been gathered to meet in the city of gold, which is planted in paradise, we will all lift up together with one voice, magnify the name of Yahuwah forever. Shalom and Shalom. Shabbat Shalom and welcome to Talk Teach and Testify Radio. This is a special edition. I am your host, Abed Yahu or Obadiah. I am just a humble servant of Yahweh. Yahweh is our supreme Elohim. He is our creator, our heavenly father. And I speak to you in the name of Yahusha Hamashiach, for he is our eternal high priest and king. He is our Melech Tesedek, our Melchizedek, and our elder brother. Hallelujah. On today's show, we're going to be speaking about part three of the pagan calendar influence on the timetable of creation. Now, you probably asked the question, why is the brother saying calendar in timetable? Isn't a calendar an actual timetable? Well, 
We're going to be discussing that on today, and we're going to be looking at the powerful influence of the Greeks and the Jesuits and how they enforce their lunar or their moon uh, rituals and ideas pertaining to the timetable that we are not supposed to be keeping. We're supposed to be keeping the timetable of Yahweh, for he gave that to us from the very beginning. So I pray that each and every one of you that is listening by divine appointment, that you will be able to have a more concise and a more or a better understanding of how to keep, number one, the Shabbat of Yahweh, and number two, the Moadim and his appointed times, his ordinances. So this will help you with that on today's show. Here's a disclaimer. For those of you who did the particular timetable or you might have did the Shabbat or even the appointed feast out of ignorance, Yahweh, he understands the motives of your heart. That's very important to him. So please, brothers and sisters, do not feel guilty. Do not feel like you cannot be forgiven for those sins that you were off course according to Yahuwah's um, plan. Yahuwah is a forgiving Elohim, and he understands if you're trying to keep his Shabbat or his appointed feast accurately, he understands that. But once you know better, you should do better. You should not continue to want to stay in ignorance because of your fleshly desires or because of your ways. Our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Therefore, we should be obedient to his thoughts and to his ways, for they are pure. They are truth. Hallelujah. Okay? So today is Tuesday, March the 31st. 2020, according to the man-made Jesuit Gregorian calendar, uh, we're going to be talking about the Jesuits today and how they came up with the Gregorian calendar, and it is the 11th day of the first Kodush, the first month. We are now in the season of Abib. People call it springing or the spring forth. We are in the first month of Yahweh's timetable. Hallelujah. Just a couple of announcements before I begin today's teaching, okay, because we want to go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, people are asking more about um, our particular first instruction that will be on Zoom. I will be doing a practice one. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm going to schedule it for Thursday, okay, so mark that down. Um, we're going to do it on Thursday, April the, what day is that? Look like April the 2nd, okay? So uh, we're going to do that at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, 11 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, so uh, for those of you who would like to receive a link um, to connect you, please let me know. I will be um, emailing that link out to you on tomorrow, okay? So tomorrow will be uh, the day that I will be sending out uh, the link so that you can connect to us um, at the Kingdom Harvest of Charlotte. So we'll be doing that. And then on Thursday, 
we will do our first test run. Hallelujah. I will be doing a short teaching uh, right before we come between the evenings of the Pashak. Okay? So I will uh, bring forth more instruction uh, in the lesson on today. All right? Hallelujah. Uh, for those of you uh, who need the email address um, to the transcripts, to the notes, or even to contact us pertaining to the Zoom link, please email me at talkteachtestify at gmail.com. So it's all lowercase. Um, it is talkteachtestify, just like the show, talkteachtestify at gmail.com. You don't have to capitalize anything, okay? So that is the email address. Please forgive me. I had to take a little pause there to bring more instruction. So um, Talk, Teach, Testify is the email address. If you would like to connect with us through Zoom for the Kingdom Harvest, because we're going to be doing the Zoom live webinar broadcast on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you can email me at talkteachtestify at gmail.com, or you can simply, uh, you know, email us at Kingdom Harvest Congregation at gmail.com. So you can use either one. You can either email me at talkteachtestify at gmail.com or Kingdom Harvest Congregation at gmail.com. Talk, Teach, and Testify Radio is brought to you by your Mishpaka in Yahweh. Hallelujah. Uh, brought to you by the Bullock Mishpaka of Arizona, also by the Jones Mishpaka of Nevada by the Palmer Mishpaka of California, and by SALT, the acronym for Sisters Abiding in Light and Truth. It's also brought to you by the Kingdom Harvest, which will bring forth its live teachings and instructions from April the 3rd through the 5th, and we will continue this each and every Saturday. So we're not going to uh, do it on each and every, uh, you know, single Saturday. Uh, we're doing it for the first Kodush or for the first month, and then I will update you to let you know when we are going to bring the future broadcast. But we're going to make sure that, that you will receive it at least once a week, and we're going to continue to keep Talk, Teach, and Testify radio running until the end of its duration. I cannot tell you yet. Uh, when we're going to have the last broadcast, but this is indeed the last season of Talk, Teach, and Testify Radio because we are going now into the visuals. So uh, a lot of people will be able to see the instructions and the teachings as we go along. All right? Hallelujah. Um, also, one more announcement. Uh, people have been asking me about when are you going to start doing the teachings, um, the one-on-one teachings of, uh, of the Kingdom Harvest. Well, we did put that on the back burner for just a moment, but we are going to start it up again. Uh, please email me if you would like to be taught the, uh, the Hebrew. It could be from the Hebrew uh, alphabet to the Torah. 
even to the Melchizedek priesthood. Uh, we have 12 different classes to choose from, so you can email me at talkteachtestify@gmail.com, and I can go ahead and schedule those teachings to you. Um, each class is seven weeks long, and there is a donation, hallelujah, uh, that uh, we do ask for you to give so that you can have the teachings and so that that way you can get all the information and the materials um, and take care of that as well. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, so for people who do want to uh, donate, you can always go to Cash App. Um, when you do go into Cash App, just hit dollar sign, talk, teach, testify, and you can give there. That's dollar sign, capital T, lowercase A-L-K, capital T, lowercase E-A-C-H, capital T, lowercase E-S-T-I-F-Y. And you can do it there. Or you can go to www.paypal.me forward slash talk, teach, testify. Just capitalize the T's. Okay, so I'm just um, putting that out there. Uh, for those who have been asking about donating to the radio show and its ministries, and also for those of you who have been inquiring about giving, hallelujah. Uh, I have prayed already in advance that Yahuwah will baruch you in the name of Yahusha HaMashiach. And please, if you would like to give, please give uh, what your heart tells you to do. So, it, you know, we don't enforce people to give. That's not what the kingdom of Yahweh is all about. It is all about what is your desire for Yahweh. So we do not uh, press people to give unto this ministry. All righty. Let's see if there's any more announcements that I would like to. Oh, one more thing. Uh, people have been inquiring about where are those notes um, for which you're teaching pertaining to the timetable of Yahweh, I, I need those. They will be out on later today and tomorrow. Uh, so I'm going to uh, press the, you know, just, you know, press the urgency to get those notes out to you. A lot of you are not going to work or anything like that. Um, they are, quote, unquote, this uh, particular corporation is uh, having everybody um, under lockdown, and they, and this is a very good time to study, a very good time to um, get more in tune with Yahuwah and to what's happening um, in this world. And so, therefore, uh, it is a good time to get those notes, to get the transcripts so that you can study to show yourself approved unto Yahuwah so you can prepare yourself for the kingdom. So I will get those notes out to you today. Um, if not today, first thing tomorrow morning, so that way you'll be able to have the instructions, okay? Hallelujah. Uh, before we begin um, our teaching, I was speaking to my dear Aki, to my dear brother, my dear unk, out in Arkansas, and he had a very good question to ask, and I'd like to go ahead and present that onto the show before we uh, get into the lesson, he asked me the question about Pashak, and, and it's a very legitimate question, and I think a lot of people need to listen to what this particular um, question is. 
because it was, it was it, you know, it's very important that we understand how we should keep the timetable of Yahweh and his Moadim, for Yahweh commanded us to do so. Here's the question that our dear brother asked. He asked me the question, and it pertains to Bar chapter 9. Let's go to Numbers chapter 9 because it pertains to how the nation of Yashariel should keep the Peshach or the Passover. The question that our brother asked is this, is that if a person who just comes into the knowledge of the truth after the Peshach, can they do a redo of the Peshach? Could they... Uh, you know, because we read in Torah that Yahuwah stated that we can have a second Peshach or a second Passover. A lot of teachers don't teach this. And so, therefore, for the next couple of minutes, I'll be going over that just to give you clarity as to what it really is. And then, after that, then we'll go into the deception of the Jesuits and the Greeks and their pagan calendar. By Mitbar, Numbers, chapter 9. This is how it reads. Hallelujah. And Yahuwah spoke unto El Masha in the wilderness of Sinai. In the first month, there it is, the first Kodesh of the second year, after they were come out of the land of Misraim. So we know the time, right? Here's the question that's being asked in the spring or in the first Kodesh, in the month we call Abib. Yahuwah also called it that as well. Saying, let the children of Yashariel also keep at HaPashak, the Pashak, at his appointed time. Did you see that? In your King James, it would say, let the children of Yashariel also keep HaPashak, the Passover, at his appointed what? Moad, his appointed season. In the 14th day of this Kodesh, there's that word again, Beni Harebim, in the first in the 14th yom of this Kodesh, between the evenings, you shall keep it in his what? Moad, his appointed season, according to all the rites of it, and according to all the ceremonies thereof, you shall keep it. Now, it's very imperative to understand that the nation of Yashariel, in the wilderness, they still kept the Peshach every year. People are going around teaching that the Peshach was only done in Mizraim. It was a custom of the nation of Yashariel that they should keep it. Now, I'm going to teach more uh, pertaining to this on Friday's show. I don't want to go too depth into it, but I want you just to get the foundation so that I can answer the question that our dear brother asked us. 
verse 4. And Masha spoke to the children of Yasharel that they should keep Hapashak, that they should keep the Passover. Verse 5. And they kept at Hapashak, the Passover, on the 14th day of the fourth of, of the first Kodesh, between the evenings in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that Yahuwah committed at Masha, so did the children of Yashariel. And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man, that they could not keep Hapashak on that day. And they came before Masha and before Aharon on that day. And those men said unto him, We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore are we kept back that we may not offer at an offering of Yahweh in his Moab, which is his appointed season, among the children of Yasharel? And Masha said unto them, Stand still, and I will hear what Yahuwah will command us concerning you. And Yahuwah spoke to Masha, saying, Speak unto the children of Yasharel, saying, If any man of you or of your, prosperi- uh, your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body or be in a journey afar off, Yet he shall keep the Peshach unto Yahweh, the fourteenth day of the second month between the evenings, they shall keep it, and eat it with matzah, which is unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until habrakah, which is the morning, nor break any bone of it, according to all the ordinances of the Peshach. They shall keep it. But the man that is clean and is not in a journey and forbears to keep the Peshach, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people because he brought not the offering of Yahweh in his Moad. That man should bear his sin. If a stranger shall sojourn among you, and will keep the Peshach unto Yahweh, according to the ordinance of the Peshach, and according to the manner thereof. So shall he do. You shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and for him that was born in the land. Hallelujah. So, the question of our brother is, if a person misses the first Peshach, and they have a legitimate excuse. I did not know Yahuwah at that time. I did not receive the Ruach HaKodesh. I did not come into the understanding of the knowledge of the truth. But yet I got it right before the second Peshach. Can I do it? Number one, brothers and sisters, the second Peshach, if the first one is April the third, the second Peshach is May the third. Okay, you are to do the ordinances thereof, not the killing of the lamb and putting the blood on the doorpost of the door of your home. It's about number one, breaking the bread, like Yahusha did with the disciples, 
with the Tamidim. He broke the bread. They had a meal. They had a Passover meal. They didn't pass around crackers. They do that in remembrance of the Greeks. That's called communion. Yahusha did not do that. They had a meal in which they broke bread and they drunk the wine. With the bread, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And with the, with the drinking of the wine, he said it was the representation of the blood for the remission of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. We keep doing this every year because it reminds us of the Peshach that saved us out of the land of sin, out of constriction, and out of the land of torture, the land of tradition and religion. When you talk about Mizraim, brothers and sisters, if you are unable to keep it because you're traveling, because you're away, because you're on lockdown, as they're doing in today's times, and you're unable to get back with your mishpaka, you do have a makeup date. Here it is right here. They continued to do this even when they got into the land. There were Levites who were not able to get back to the land that they were living in, and they were doing the work of Yahuwah. And when they returned, they had missed the Peshach. They might have came soon after. They was able to do a makeup Peshach. There it is right there on the 14th day between the evenings of the second Kodash. Just to bring clarity to that. So why do people teach that if you miss the first Peshach, then you are not in the will of Yahweh, and therefore you're going to hell. Why do they even, and this is what a lot of quote-unquote Messianic Jews teach, a a lot of people who are not, uh, you know, following the, the, the wisdom of Yahweh, why do they teach such a thing? Let's look at what the Greeks and the particular Gentiles, the heathens, as to what they've done. And I pray unto Yahweh that I was able to answer the question correctly. On yesterday's show, we talked about how the Greeks and the uh, people of Macedonia, led by King Antichus, came into Yahuda and corrupted the timetable of Yahweh and pushed forth the Greek new moon influence that was also done by the Babylonians. I want to talk to you about the term Yarak Kodash. Yarak means moon. It has nothing to do with month. I'm going to show you evidence of that in just a moment. You would never see the term Yarak Kadash anywhere. Kadash means to renew, to restore, or simply new. If we was to find the new moon, 
the term Yarek Kadash should be written in the scriptures, but they are not. But you ask the question, well, why is the term New Moon in the scriptures then? Why is that in the Bible? You have to understand, number one, you're talking about the Bible. You're talking about something that was put together with a Greek mindset. Let's look at some of the particular uh, scriptures pertaining to the new moon. And I'm just saying that, um, that phrase because it is written in the Holy Bible, but it is not in the Hebrew teachings. Let's look at first and foremost. Here's a scripture that people get wrong. Let's look at Tahalim or Psalms 104, the 104th division of Tahalim. Here's one that gets everybody wound up and people go around and say, look, here it is. This is what it reads. Let's read it. Tahalim 104, verse 19. I'm going to read it from the King James Version. I'm going to read it from other versions as well. And this is what it says. He appointed, or he hasah, the Yaharak for Moadim. The sun knows his going down. Now, when you read that, the first thing you're going to say, brother, here it is right here. He appointed the moon. You said Yarok. You said it, that he appointed the moon for seasons. And the sun knows it's going down. Let's go over this. Let's break this down. The first thing we recognize is the Hebrew word for appointed, which is Strong's Concordance H6213, which is Hassah. Hassah means to make or to do. It means to appoint or to advance. He made the moon for seasons. He accomplished the moon for seasons. He appointed the moon for seasons. Brothers and sisters, I did state that Yahuwah created the moon to do what it's supposed to do in the night, right? Let's go back to Barashit chapter 1. Let's bring clarity to this. Barashit chapter 1. Now let's read how Yahuwah appointed the moon for seasons. Hmm. Verse 16. Let's start there. And it reads, And Elohim made it, he appointed two great lights. You see, he appointed them here. The greater light, which is the rule today, that's the Shemesh, that's the sun. 
It is seven days. It is seven times brighter than the lesser light. You can read that in the book of Enoch. And at the lesser light, which is a reflection of the greater light, this is what a lot of people don't get, because the moon or the Yarak is not a lunary. The lesser light will rule the night. He made the stars also. And Elohim set them in the expanse of the Shamahim to give light over the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light, which is the aura, from the Koshak, which is from the darkness. And Elohim saw that it was top, that it was good. And the evening and the morning was the fourth yom. Brothers and sisters, we just read how Yahuwah appointed the moon for seasons. He appointed the moon so that it will be able to signify night. We just read it there. He did not give the moon up for the appointment of the Moedim, of the seasons and of the days. We read very specifically in the book of Yobelim, the book of Jubilees, chapter 2, verse 9. And Elohim appointed, assigned, the what? Shemesh, the sun, to be a great light on the earth for days and for Shabu'ah, which is for Sabbaths, and for Kadashim, which is months, and for feast, and for years, and for Shabbat of years, and for Jubilees. Listen, and for all seasons of the years. Yahuwah never appointed the Yaharak, which is the moon. He never, ever appointed that to dictate the days, the Shabbat, the months, the feast, for the Shabbat of years, for the Jubilees, or for the seasons of the years. The moon cannot tell you when it's spring, summer, fall, or winter. It can never do it. But the sun does, because the sun goes up and the sun goes down. Yahuwah specifically said, right there in Tahalim, he said, the sun knows it's going down. The sun knows when to show up, and the sun knows when to go down, because Yahuwah had assigned messengers to bring it up and to bring it down. You can read that in the book of Enoch as well. Hallelujah. So we read very specifically. People bring this verse up and try to say, see, you're doing it wrong because Yahuwah appointed the moon for seasons. Is there anywhere else in this scripture, in Psalms 104, that shows you what the sun and the moon is doing? It's talking about how Yahuwah created things. And how Yahuwah created things, Yahuwah appointed Yaharak for his seasons or for its seasons. And the sun knows it's going down. Read verse 20. You make darkness and it is night. 
That's what Yahuwah appointed the moon for. We read that in Barashit chapter 1. You make darkness and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after they prey and seek their meat from El. The sun arises, they gather themselves together and lay them down in their dens. Man goes forth to his work and to his labor until what? Ha-horev, until the evening. O Yahuwah, how manifold are your works. In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your riches. Hallelujah. Yahuwah shows us how the evening starts with the moon, and it knows it's appointed time to show up. Because that's what Moad or Moadim means, appointed time, appointed seasons. So the moon knows it's appointed time to shine. And the sun knows when his appointed time is done because it goes down. Hallelujah. Okay? Very crystal clear there. All right. We got new moon, right? Let's go over another passage. Pertaining to new moon. Okay. Okay. Here's one here. I'm just picking out some verses that a lot of people like to say pertaining to the new moon. And this is how people get confused. Here's another one. Tahalim 81. Let's go over this one. This is a good one. Psalms or Tahalim 81. Everybody goes over this one and says, you know what, brother? Here it is right here. It talks again about the Peshach. Okay, let's read it and let's see what we can get. In the King James Version, this is what it says. It says, blow up the trumpet in the new moon, in the time appointed on our solemn feast day, right? So you will read that in its English and say, now wait a minute. It says, blow the shofar in the new moon, according to the scriptures. This is what they write. Blow the ram's horn. At the time of the new moon, at the full moon, on our feast day. Hmm, that sounds confusing, right? Blow the ram's horn at the new, you know, at the time of the new moon, at the full moon, on our feast day. Let's read what the Saphir has to offer. Blow the shofar. On the dark new moon today, hmm, on our solemn feast. Let's read the next verse. It says, for this was a statue for Yashariel and a Torah of Yahweh or of the Elohim of Yaku. Okay, let's break this down. Number one. The word 
we get blow up, right? Taka. Taka means to blow or to put your hands together. To sound. Sound what? Ha shofar. You know the shofar. When to do it? It says in the kodash. Wait a minute. If it was to say new moon, you would once again have to bring forth Yaharak, and it's not there. Is We don't see Yaharak, nor do we see Yaharak Kadash. We see Kodash, but we don't see Yaharak Kadash. So therefore, new moon is not there. This is only done because they are implying that it is the new moon. You have to remember, Jewish people and those who came back from Babylon and those descendants who were around during the time of Antichrist, they taught about the new moon because they fear for their lives. We talked about that, and you can read it in the book of Maccabees. So they threw away their timetable of Yahweh for the calendar of the Greeks by honoring the birthday of the moon. I'm sorry, the birthday of the month. You see how I did that. They did it for the birthday of the moon. And so this is why they write that there. It says we're to blow the shofar at the time appointed of the start of each month. Then it says what? On our solemn chag yum. What appointed time is there that we're supposed to blow the shofar on the chag? Do anybody know? For this was a statue for Yashariel. It was what? Ordained in Yahusaf for a testimony when he went out through the land of Misraim. Or through the land of Misraim. Where I heard a language that I understood not. Where is that located at? Because you can't really read it, right? Um, in Barashit, because it doesn't talk about that. But it's, an, it's in another scripture, though, that we can read. Let's go to the book, this is a good one, of Jubilees. Let's go back to the book of Yobelim, okay? The book of Jubilees. This will give us a better understanding as to what took place. What happened actually to Yahusuf or to Joseph? Well, let's read about it. We're talking about a celebration as to what was done during the time of Yahusuf. We read that there. Let's go to Jubilees, okay? Now, Jubilees, once again, was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. So it is a very legitimate scripture to read. All right. 
Let's go to Jubilees and let's see where we can go. I like Jubilees chapter 39. Let's go there. Jubilees 39. And for those of you who don't have it, that's okay. I will go ahead and read it for you. Uh, Right before I do that, there's another verse um, that I would like to um, bring forth as well. All right. Let's go to Jubilees chapter 39. And Jacob dwelled in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. And Yahusuf was 17 years old when they took him down into the land of Mizraim. And Potiphar, a eunuch of Pharaoh, the chief cook, bought him. And he said, Yahusuf, all over all his house and the Baruchah of Yahuwah came upon the house of the Egyptian on the account of Yahusuf. Uh, and Yahuwah prospered him in all that he did. And the Mizraim, the Egyptian, committed everything into the hands of Yahusuf, for he saw that Yahuwah was with him and that Yahuwah prospered him in all that he did. Okay, so you see that written there. It's very imperative that we understand what happened to Yahusuf. Why is he there and why Yahuwah is baruching him while he is there? Now, let's go to a very powerful verse, Jubilees chapter 34. The reason why I'm reading these verses is to show you where's the new moon at, where's that at, and what particular ordinance did Yahuwah bring forth through the testimony of Yahusuf or through Joseph. Here it is right here. Let's read it, Jubilees. Chapter 34. Let's go with verse number 10. And in the seventh year of this week, he sent Yahusuf to learn about the welfare of his brothers from his house to the land of Shechem. And he found them in the land of Dohan. And they dealt treacherously with him and formed a plot against him to slay him. But changing their minds, they sold him to Ishmaelite merchants, and they brought him down into Mizraim, and they sold him to Potiphar, the eunuch of Pharaoh, the chief of the cooks, the priest of the city of Helu. And the sons of Yaku slaughtered a kid, and dipped the blood of Yahusuf in the blood. And sent it to Jacob, their father, on the tenth day of the seventh of Kodash. And he mourned all that night, for they had brought it to him in what? In the Horeb, in the evening. And he became feverish with mourning for his death. And he said an evil beast had devoured Yahusuf. And all the members of his house mourned with him that day, and they were grieving and mourning with him all that day. 
and his sons and his daughter rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted for his son. And on that day, Belha, she was one of the what? Um, one of the handsmaids, right? When she heard that Yahusaf had perished, she died mourning him, and she was living in Karahath. And Dinah also, his daughter, died after Yahusaf had perished, quote unquote. And there came these three mornings upon Yashariel in one Kodash, not one new moon, in one month. And they buried Belha over against the tomb of Rachel. And Dinah, also his daughter, they buried there. And he mourned for Yahusaf for one Shana, for one year, and did not cease. For he said, let me go down to the grave mourning for my son. For this reason, it is ordained for the nation or for the children of Yashariel that they should humble themselves on the 10th day of the seventh month, on the day that the news that made him weak for Yahusaf came to Jacob, his father, that they should make atonement for themselves thereon with a young goat on the 10th day of the seventh Kodash once a year for their sins, that they had grieved the affection of their Ab, of their father, regarding Yahusaf, his son. And this day has been ordained that they should grieve thereon for their sins and for all their transgressions and for all their errors that, so that they might cleanse themselves on that day once a year. Brothers and sisters, here is the institution of what we call the Yom Kippur. Speaks about the testimony of Yahusha and the testimony of the one who came through Yakub, who is who? Yahusha. The Day of Atonement, if we look at it from the spiritual intent, if you go to the book of Exodus, it pertains to when Masha put the blood upon the children of Yashariel. And they said that day, this we do and be obedient. This we will obey. This we will do. I do. You hear that at a wedding. I do. This is the wedding. It has nothing to do with the moon whatsoever. As a matter of fact, let's look at the, at the Day of Atonement. And let's see when we're supposed to start and end it. That way you can have a clear understanding as to what this verse really means. It has nothing to do with the Yarak Kodash. Nothing at all. Because we don't see anything pertaining to the moon at all. Kodash means the new month. That's all it is associated with. Okay. Let's talk about the 10th day of the 7th Kodash. 
All right. Let's look at this verse. Here's a good one. Let's look at Uyikra, Leviticus chapter 16. I'm just showing you a couple of verses here because we have not really talked about the Greeks' influence yet. But I'm just letting you see how they tried to influence us. Let's look at verse 29, and let's see if we will read the term Yarak Kodash. From the Sophia, I'm reading from different versions. It says, and this shall be a statue forever unto you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall at humble or afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country or stranger that sojourns among you. For on that day shall the Kohan, the priest, Make an atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before Yahuwah. It should be a Shabbat of rest. That's called a Shabbaton. It should be a Shabbat of rest unto you, and you shall humble or afflict it, your souls, by a statue forever. That's the statue that they're talking about. So the Shofar is to be blown during the Day of Atonement. But where's the moon at? We don't see that here, do we? Let's read another verse. Let's read Leviticus chapter 23. It's going to get good, watch, because you're going to see the instruction when Yahuwah would tell you to blow the shofar on the Day of Atonement, not on the new moon. Let's read it. Here it is, Uyikra, Leviticus 23. Let's read verses 26 through 31. It reads, And Yahweh spoke unto Masha, saying, Also on the tenth day of the seventh Kodash, the seventh month, shall be what? Yom Kippur, or Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It shall be a set-apart convocation unto you, and you shall humble yourselves. The Hebrew word is Hanah, Strong's Concordance H6031. It means to humble. It means to self-abase, or to chastise self, or to deal with yourself harshly or hardly, to exercise hum- humility, or to humble yourself. The Jewish people teaches you to lock yourself up in the house, to not to eat, to fast, and to starve yourself for the tenth day of the seventh month. It does not say that. It says to humble. You see the word afflict. So you would think you're supposed to harm yourself. On that day. And you're supposed to keep yourself away from everybody else on that day. 
That's not what it says, brothers and sisters. It is telling us to serve humility, to feed someone who's hungry. Then you can do your fast. If you would like to say, Father, I'd like to feed others, but I don't want to eat. I want to feed others to, you know, to observe your ordinances. You may do so. If you choose to fast that day, if you feel that in the Ruach, you may, do, you may choose to do so. But it does not mean that you are to lock yourself up and to afflict pain upon yourself. It means that you should humble yourself. And that's how you will humble yourself, by feeding others. Hallelujah. Listen to what he says. On the tenth day of this seventh month, there shall be the, what, the Yom Kippur. It shall be a set-apart convocation unto you. Well, that kills that about locking yourself up in a room. You're supposed to have a convocation with your brothers and your sisters. Hmm. And you shall humble yourselves and offer an offering made by fire unto Yahweh. I got a question, brother. Now, how do we do the fire part? The fire is the Ruach HaKodesh. Hmm. And you should offer that offering being led by the Ruach unto Yahweh. That's what that means. I wonder what Yahukahan and what he meant, you shall be immersed by water, and the one that comes after me will immerse you with fire of the Ruach HaKodesh. Verse 28, and you shall do no work in that same day, for it is Yom Kippur to make what? Kafar. Kafar means a covering or forgiveness for you before Yahweh, your supreme Elohim. Okay. Read verse 32. Watch this. This tells you what a day consists of. It shall be unto you a Shabbat of Shavutan. This is a special day of rest. And you shall humble your souls in the ninth day of the Kodesh at Eve. From Eve until Eve shall you celebrate your Shabbat. It tells you from the evening of the ninth day, that's closing out, coming into the evening of the tenth day. There is, right there, your Shavuotan. Done on the tenth day of the seventh month. When the ninth day comes to a close, coming into the tenth day, from Eve until Eve. That's self-explanatory. That's clear. That's crystal clear. Okay? So where do we get this new moon thing? And I know I'm going over on today, and that's okay, hallelujah. Just give me about five more minutes of your time, and I'm going to go over how they tried to trick everybody. Well, we got to look at what happened over in Rome. The Yarak Kadash is not written anywhere in the Hebrew Scriptures. We read that. 
the scriptures only uses the word kodash, and it is only refers to a what? A new month. What makes up the month? The sun. The translators mixed up a few of the Hebrew words because of the what? Of the nakaz, of the vowel point errors. And that's how they came up with that. They confused the word yarak with yaharak because of the vowel points. That's where you get the confusion. A yarak, brothers and sisters, is a complete month. A kodash is a new month. Okay? Yarak means month. Kodash means new month. Yaharak means moon. So because of the translation error that was caused in the, you know, with the Nakud that the, um, you know, that you will read through the Maserat text, they got it confused. And this is how the era of the new moon came into the various books and Bibles. That the Hebrew people did the new moon. And they keep a new moon festival every month. However, observing the moon and celebrating the moon is not commanded in Torah. And the new moon is not even mentioned in the whole Tanakh. It is mentioned in the Dead Sea Scrolls, but the word is not Yarak Kodash. I want people to get the understanding of that, okay? It is a different word that's in there. I believe that word is Oduka. Uh, that is the Hebrew word that is found there, not the Yarak Kodash, you will see a different word in the Dead Sea Scrolls. That word is Hudarak. Okay? So it has nothing to do with saying the new moon and how they should keep the appointed feast. And for those of you who have read the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, they did it according to the way that Enoch taught. They called it, they did it the priestly calendar. They did it the way that Yahuwah had attended them. Hallelujah. All right. So, this is how they confused us. Okay? This is how they did it. When you talk about what the Gregorian calendar did, when that was introduced, they had lost a grand total of 10 days. A lot of people don't, don't know that, that the church, the Roman Catholic Church, on the night of October the 4th, 1582, the citizens of Spain, Portugal, Poland, and most of Italy, which was their colonies, they went to bed and woke up 10 days later. How was that done? Did they sleep? Did the sun go up and down for 10, 10 straight times? How was that done? Was it some type of medieval miracle that was done? No, the Roman Catholic Church 
needed to badly correct their errors. And so Pope Gregory the 13th had implemented a new calendar on the night of October the 4th. What does the word calendar mean? Do anybody know? Well, the word calendar means this. Calendar comes from the French word calendaire, meaning a list or a register. It is also related to the Latin term calendarium, which means an accounted book, as well as the first day of the Roman month, which they call a calendia. Okay? So this is how they come up with calendar. Okay? So what they did was they would write all their appointments, their birthdays, their celebrations, and they would come up with a book, which is called a calendar. I see you raising your hand. Oh, that's what we put on our wall, right? The pages are flipped, and that that's a book, right? A book has pages. So you have your calendar, okay? That's what they gave us, okay? You are to keep up with this so you would know the appointed times that we are to do as Gentiles, as the heathens. We would do this in remembrance of the Greeks. This is what they did, and this is what we're going to do. So this was once pushed together. This was forced upon the people, and then Pope Gregory, according to certain sects of Christianity, they thought that he was the Antichrist because he tried to mislead people from certain holy days. Isn't that something? When the Antichrist is actually the machine of Christianity in its associated religions. So some of those people were on point a little bit, but they still did not come fully into the knowledge of the truth. So they fixed the Julian calendar. They didn't count October the 5th, so it jumped from October the 4th to October the 15th. Why? To try to catch up. This was forced, and this was one of the most uh, seemingly treasures of embarrassment for the Catholics because they pushed this Inquisition or the Protestant Reformation you got to understand, during that time, you had the Portuguese um, Inquisition and the Spanish Inquisition. All these things was being forced upon the people. Galileo and his supposed persecution, done by an unenlightened pope, and because of the immense accomplishment of Pope Gregory XIII, he brought desperate changes to the calendar because of what Gallio was finding out in the atmosphere. Remember, he was an astrologer. He was able to look at the stars and the sun and the moon. He noticed something was wrong. And so when he was trying to bring that up, they silenced him, and Pope Gregory brought forth his particular calendar. The calendar incorporated the movements of the sun and the moon. It was quite a challenge to them because they did not know how the heavens operated. 
and many civilizations after that have tried to give it their best shot to keep up with Yahuwah's timetable, and they have not. Why? Because they did not want to keep up with what Yahuwah said. Even in this article that I have called the Catholic Answers, listen to what they say. They say it this. The problem that we have been having is that a year cannot contain neatly organized days or months. Simply put, the interval between successive equinoxes is approximately 11 minutes less than the 365 days. At the same time, the moon is around 29 and a half days. So 12 months will add up to 354 days. Uh-oh, you hear that? That's what Yahuwah was telling his people back in what? Yobelim or Jubilees chapter 6 when he said that the moon would have 10 days less of the timetable than the sun. And so they tried to incorporate the movements of the sun in the moon. How you think they brought in leap year? This was done through the Roman Catholic Church and the Jesuits. And so, therefore, the Pope brought in a Jesuit astrologer, and he came in and he adjusted. That's why it's called the Gregorian, because of Pope Gregory the Thirteenth, Who was brought in? Clavius, that's who was brought in. He was an astrologer who tried to work to get this done. His name was Christopher or Christoph Clavius. He was a Jesuit um, um, mathematics teacher and astronomer. Okay? So, um, the and you can look this up. It's called the Intergravissimus. It is spelled G-R-A-V-I-S-S-I-M-U-S. It was signed and approved on February the 24th, 1582, to adjust the timetable and produce a Gregorian calendar. Now, all of this is documented in Rome. They said that this is what we did. Because you have the 10 days that the moon is ahead or it's behind, let's remove 10 days from the sun so that the moon and the sun can catch up. So that's why October the 4th was one day and October the 15th was the next. Using this method, 1,600 and 2,000 were leap years but 1,700, 1,800, and 1,900 were not. All of this was devised by man. Okay? All righty. We'll go over more of this on tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow. Please forgive me. We will do this on on Thursday. How about that? While well, I go ahead and um, push forth the particular instruction, um, in the teaching on Zoom, um, if you would like that particular link, please email me, okay, at talkteachtestify at gmail.com, and I will get the link out to you on tomorrow. 
for those of you who are asking for the notes, I will be getting that out to you on today. Hallelujah. All righty. So I hope that you are all edified by today's teaching. Um, I hope that that wasn't, uh, you know, too harsh, but I wanted you to see that new moon is not Kodash. If you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, you will see that it is italicized. And if that is the case, that means that the Roman Catholic Church or the Strong's Concordance and or both, they both tried to push the new moon agenda. Okay? It was invented by the Greeks. It kept up with the birthday of the moon, and they disqualified how we're supposed to accurately keep the timetable of Yahuwah. And it's so easy, it's done based off the sun. Everything else works together. Okay? So that'll do it for me. This has been another Talk, Teach, and Testify instruction. Please join me. Hallelujah, um, if you can. Uh, I will be doing a Zoom link on Thursday. I'll be doing a Zoom teaching. And then on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we will be doing instruction pertaining to the Peshach and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I, I can't wait for all of you to join me on that. And then we'll continue this teaching um, on Talk, Teach, and Test Radio Radio um, uh, on a future date. I can't tell you yet. But we are getting ourselves ready for the Abib Mordin, right, the spring feast, the spring appointed times. I can't wait for that. All right? Hallelujah. Shalom and shalom. I love all of you. My zeal and my prayer is that the nation of Yashariel, that we all might be saved. Shalom and Shabbat Shalom.